scope change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it I'ma shake the globe change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it What's up everybody? This is the Misguided Podcast We intend to guide you to a better future The purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that We will dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and highlight what makes them successful, but also pinpoint mistakes they've made and how to improve them. Our goal is to make you start thinking about building generational wealth through business. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And now, let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Juwan Rohan, and this is the Misguided Podcast, where we intend to guide you to a better future. I'm sitting here with Justin Cambra, real estate investor. How are you doing today? Uh, Juwan, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, of course, man. So this is what it is 7 p.m. right now for me. Um, I normally do not record in the evenings. Um, so this is this is like rare. This is a rare occasion right here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for working working with me. I know that uh, you've got a lot of side hustles and I've got a day job too. And then I do the real estate on the side. So thanks yeah. for working it uh, late in the day. No, nah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, of course, man. Th- and thanks for giving me the time. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into your story. But before we do, um, just for the audience, how I found Justin was on uh, Sean Penn's uh, podcast, Everything REI. Um, and Justin had a really cool story and it seemed very personable. So I thought I'd bring him up here. Um, and I hit him up and he hit me back and we got his schedule. So let's go ahead and get into your story. Um, where are you from? I'm from Seattle area and I live up in Seattle right now. I've moved around, uh, after college, a couple of the areas kind of the Midwest and then Bay area for a bit. And then now I'm back up in Seattle. When were you in the Bay? Uh, so I, I was in the Bay, let's see, twice. Um, and I use the Bay Area because people outside of California don't know the cities I want to mention. But uh, originally I was in Stockton, California. Oh, yeah. So that's I don't like, know that. yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, well, it's an all American city if you don't know. But it's, uh, I was there from 2001 to uh, 2002. Then I was there uh, back in, um, it's called Mountain House which is by they Tracy. They really don't know that. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> Mountain House, it was uh, created in like the real estate boom in the early 2000s. Dude, and I so just, I, speaking of that, I just found out about Mountain House uh, maybe a month ago when I had to, I'm a realtor, so when I had a right. showing in Mountain House and I'm like, hold on, do I even have access to this like super box? So yeah. I like Google where it's at. And I'm like, oh my God. And then when you get there, it's like, yo, they really been like building these houses out here. Like it's little communities and communities. And then you just have flat land and then it's another community and it's, they're right. really nice houses for good pricing. <laughs> right. So. I, I, I was there. Um, so I moved there and uh, it was like, I think it was 2008. So Ooh. right in the Ooh. crash. Yeah. And then I ended up uh, leaving there after I graduated from Berkeley Hosco business in 2013. So I was there for about five years. Wait, hold the, hold on. How old are you? Feeling my asking. I'm 42. No, no way, man. You look, I swear I thought you were in your 20s. Because when you started saying you lived in Stockton in 2001, I was like, Jesus, I was like in first grade. 
<laughs> I know. I got the like Asian blood, so I, lo- I look young until I don't. You know, I'll sure. I'll enjoy it while it lasts. What the hell do you eat? You need to give me your diet information. <laughs> you uh, look good, uh, man. Pretty. I eat uh, anything that ha- has gravy with it. So <laughs> nice. I'm a great a gravy guy at heart. Nice. Well, that's that's super cool to know you were in. Okay, first of all, just like to know you were in those two places before the the major crash. But even Stockton, let's talk about Stockton a little bit because um, Stockton was voted one of the worst cities in the country, uh, especially around 2001. So the fact that you were living out there, like, why did you have a job? What what were you? Yes. Living? Yeah. So I had just graduated in 2001 for, uh, I had my undergraduate degrees in ag business from Washington state. Okay. And so my first job was working for Cargill in the animal nutrition division. So there was a a feed mill on the South side of Stockton that I was, I worked there for maybe about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. So, um, okay. And then, so yeah, Stockton, like I said, one of the worst cities. Um, and then recently, uh, kind of flipped around. And the reason why is uh, because of uh, Michael Tubbs, Michael Tibbs, I believe the mayor, um, the youngest mayor, um, black guy, he's about 28. He was the mayor last year. Um, he kind of flipped the whole city around and everyone loved him. And now the market there, um, the housing market specifically is crazy, right? So right. I don't know what the market housing, like how much houses were in 2001, but right now they're going crazy. And it's kind of like the number one place I've been looking to invest. Um, a lot of people are moving away now that they can work from home. As you know, Stockton, for those who don't know, is very far from the main city. So if you work in San Francisco, you're going to be in traffic for half the day. Um, and so now a lot of people don't need to go to San Francisco. And Stockton has really big houses. So, and for cheap. So a lot of people are moving out there to Mountain House uh, and places like those, just like where it's happening everywhere. But that's super interesting, man. That's crazy. Yeah, Mountain House was like um, on the news when I moved there because it was the epitome of the real estate boom and bust. So Mm -hmm. the, I bought my house there 2008. Okay. The previous owner um, had sold, uh, it was a bank owned property. So the previous person, uh, I went to, uh, was foreclosed on that guy had paid. I want to say it was like 600 something, 640, something like that. I bought it for 330,000. That's how much it dropped in, Jesus. in the financial crisis. And then it literally flatlined for about maybe till about 2012. Mm-hmm. And then it, then, then I ended up selling it in 2013 for, I think it was like four, 10, four 30, somewhere in there. So it was like kind of flatlined for almost four years and then shot way up in value just so happened to coincide with the year that I left. So it worked out perfect. When, when did you leave? 2012 or no? 2013. 2013. Okay. Um, wow. And then where'd you go after that? After you left? Uh, so after I graduated from Haas, I got my job at Amazon. I've been at Amazon now for eight years. Nice. And what do you do at Amazon? So right now I'm in the real estate group at Amazon for, it's called global specialty fulfillment. So it's the, uh, not your traditional where you're used to getting that brown box every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I do more of the specialty stuff. The main one that people would know about would be grocery delivery. Okay. So what do you do specifically like for them though? What's your role? 
So finding uh, warehouses across the U.S. for the specific businesses. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people right now um, that are like buying where like, you know, commercial buildings because the restaurants and everything went out and then flipping them into Amazon places or FedEx places, you know. So are like how, how do you go about finding these these uh, these places? So in the um, for the Amazon world there, we have, you know, a broker network and we're putting out uh, feelers in the specific areas that we're going to. And then what I do is analyze from a business perspective, which is the best one. So we're in a delivery business for the most part. So obviously we want to be closest to the customer at the lowest cost. And yeah. so we're trying to figure out what that sweet spot is in terms of what's available, what's close to the customer and what's going to make money. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, that's cool. So yeah, nine to five. Oh, I, I love to, I love to hear the people that come up on here that are, are still working a, a nine to five and investing passively because um, that is going to reach, you know, the, the average people, right? I mean, it takes a lot to, to go out there and just uh, be a full entrepreneur um, and, and, and not everyone has it in them. So um, I really like to, to have people who still work in nine to five and can do it at the same time so that people know it's possible, you know? Oh yeah, man. It's, uh, it's like, we just mentioned at seven o'clock. So I've been working at the day job since Makes seven. Sense. So seven to seven and yeah. then the podcast, and then I still got more work tonight and still, you know, do the real estate stuff on the side. So keeping up with the, the, the bills and all that kind of stuff and looking for new properties, closing closing on properties so it's a constant juggle but well, let's talk, just let's dive into that a little bit uh mm -hmm. so like uh, so keeping a nine to five for as long as possible can be a good thing but do you get to a point where you're kind of unhappy and you're just wanting to only do real estate you know when when do you make that jump so it's uh for me specifically it was about two years ago where i was like um, well, I got into real estate about five years ago. Okay. And then as, as I started buying more properties and seeing the passive income, I'm like, oh, I really like this. Man. And then I'm like, my old job at Amazon, I, I was like, yeah, man, I really like this. But I'm like, if I really like real estate, mm -hmm. why don't I get a job at real estate in Amazon? Uh, and so then I about, it's about a year and a half ago, I got this role. And so like I'm doing real estate at Amazon and I'm doing real estate personally. So I'm kind of scratching that itch of real estate but in terms of like at what point do you want to go full-time the more that i build up on the side the more that i want to you know go full-time um, but you know we're in a in an economy right now where it's probably better to keep your day job yeah. continue <laughs> to build the side hustle because uh -huh. what i want to do is like a, a a soft landing you know ideally not even a landing a takeoff and be able to continue to grow my my real estate business. So I'm trying to take all the money from Amazon, pump it into my side hustle, build that up so that I can, you know, someday retire. Well, yeah. retire meaning go full time into my own real estate. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and I, I like I like the fact that you know, if you are working a nine to five and you're investing in real estate and having this passive income, then you could just really scale your business a lot quicker as opposed to, oh, okay, now I have, 
my goal was to get uh, to replace my nine to five income, right? So let's just say the average 3,000, I don't know, uh, right. 3,000 a month. Now I have as many houses and I'm getting 3,000 in, in uh, cash flow. So let me quit, right? But then now you're like, oh, I'm getting 3,000. Now, how am I going to just keep on scaling? How am I going to get to five right. within a year? Like, so um, I really preach like, like keeping your nine to five and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it accelerates everything. It it can compress that timeline if you're truly focused on it and you have the burning desire, yeah. you can speed it up. It'll yeah. probably take me a close to seven years to do the full replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I like how you got that number in your head right there too. Seven is a yeah. lucky number too. You got this. You got yeah. this. And the, and you're still retiring early. Yeah. You know, so like that, you're retiring before what the. 64 or whatever is is the retirement age so that's good um yeah well that's cool so how were you introduced to real estate so i got into real estate i've bought houses before you know as i was mentioning earlier like Mm -hmm. a mountain house and everything for primary then when i moved up to um, seattle i was renting and i was kind of i've never done the downtown life so i did the downtown life downtown seattle and then i was like well all this money that i'm spending is going to rent. And I'm like, um, the compensation structure at Amazon and other large uh, tech companies is that you get a base salary and then you get, whether it's stock options or restricted stock units, you get some sort of like a supplemental income. So the way it works, uh, the vesting period, which just means how long until you get it for me was about two years from when I started it. And so like I had, I knew I had all this money coming my way. Like what I like to say is the tidal wave of cash flow coming my way from all this RSUs. And so I was like, this is my one shot, one opportunity to take that money, parlay it, be able to build a, a side hustle business with, within real estate. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I ended up doing. I was like, the easiest way to get started is a house hack. Yeah. So back in 20, it was August of 2016. So five years ago, this, this month is when I bought my first house hack and got into real estate. I just knew that I wanted real estate with the and one, the and one being I can rent out one of the units. So I was looking for duplexes or large houses that I could, could afford at the time. And I just so happened to get a duplex, but has land. So it's got the and one and one, if you will, or I'm going to develop the property at some point in the future, I'll tear down the duplex and I'll put, you know, 12 plus units on it. Some at some point. How big is the land? It's two thirds of an acre. Okay. Okay. And you have, how big is your uh, property? Like what's the inside and the, and uh, yeah, what's the inside? Square the footage. square footage of the property is 3450, but big. the uh, it's, it's um, but you can put like, you know, townhomes on it. It's yeah. like 12 townhomes. Um, but I'm more of a long-term guy. So instead of, you know, developing it and then selling it, I'd want to develop and rent it so that yeah, I can yeah, just yeah. keep constant cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. You're a cash flow guy. Right. Exactly. Nice, nice. Okay, so you get in, you get into real estate five years ago. Um, so you buy this duplex, and then what happens? How do you get to the next one? I still had the tidal wave coming my way, and I was like, <laughs> now, now, what else can I buy that makes money? So one thing I did mention earlier, my first role at Amazon, and this is when I was getting my uh, degree at uh, Berkeley. I did a, uh, it was an MBA, but I focused in finance. So when I came to Amazon, I was in the finance area. I first started in digital advertising finance, then moved into 
um, real or uh, finance within the grocery business. Okay. So I was analyzing all the buildings in terms of net present value, which which building is the best. Yeah. And so like I was learning how to analyze uh, finances and cash flow. So after I bought that house hack, I was like, okay, let me see what's in Seattle area. And when I say Seattle, I'm talking like north and south about an hour. And there was nothing really that made sense to me from a cash flow perspective. So yeah. then I, I looked on the east side of the mountains and my brother lived in uh, a city called Yakima, which would be like a, a Stockton to a San Francisco. Yeah. And I ended up buying an 11 unit property uh, based on just financials. I was like, man, this makes total sense. Like I put this much money in, I'm going to make this monthly cash flow. It's going to help build this money up so that I can, you know, at some point leave mm -hmm. Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's kick. Do you mind going into numbers on that 11 unit? Because uh, a lot of people, they hear 11 unit and they're, oh, I need like a million dollars to put down or like, you know, so can we go into numbers a little bit if you don't mind? Sure. Yeah. On that specific, I've, I've since sold it, but I, I still remember the numbers. So that's that specific property. I bought it. It was listed at 330,000. That in, is crazy. That sounds But this so was cheap. 20, 2017. That's still, wow. It, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. And it was uh, 11 units and most of the units were one bedrooms. I think there's one or one or two studios and like one, two bedroom. Okay. And, and the rents on it were in the, um, call it like roughly 3,500 if I remember right. Okay. And so 330 was original list after negotiating, we went under contract at 300. After appraisal, we ended up closing at 285. Ooh. So, so we Jeez. ended up working it to, to where the guy wanted to get out. It'd been on the market for a while. And so in terms of a cash flow, I was like, man, this is great. And yeah, so, three, yeah, that's huge. So like, Okay, cash flow seems really good there, but how much is a mortgage on that place? Like, I'm sure, I don't know, this is just random, getting a $15,000 mortgage every every month, like how worried were you that you weren't going to be able to cover that? See, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur and still having your day job. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. at that point in time, so it was 285 and it's 20% down. Uh -huh. So uh, what is that? Like 57,000. And mm -hmm. so the balance of that, call it 230, uh, was um, the mortgage. Yep. And it was a 25-year amortization, somewhere in the 5% range, I believe, at the time for interest. Okay. And so my month, this, this is all memory. So don't, you know, so yeah, there's going to be an engineer out there and be like, oh, no, his payment was like 1250. <laughs> uh -huh. But I, I, I think it was around 1250 bucks. And, um, you know, working at Amazon, like, and I was living cheap, uh, where my prime, I, at house hack, I'm in a one bedroom apartment and I rent out the bottom to cover the mortgage. So I have a lot of just Amazon regular money coming in to cover any sort of expenses that come up. So I was never worried about it. It didn't hit me until when my mortgages for all the properties started getting above my, my monthly Amazon take home. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That's when I started being like, you know, if, if something happened, i.e. COVID. Yeah. Which that that was like the trigger point. I was like, oh my, like this is, we're getting into a, an area where- It's a risky. <laughs> big time. Yeah. I could feel it. You know, I was like, oh man, what happens? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Wow. So, so you said, uh, re uh, remind me of that mortgage again for the monthly. You said about 12. I thought it was like 1250 bucks. 
that's like that's that's pretty good that's good man that's good and five percent i feel like it's pretty good um for a large complex like that uh, back how, back in those days yeah nowadays yeah. you can get three and a half percent for uh-huh. same same type of thing well right now yeah but probably not yeah. in two years but right, right now for sure yeah that's crazy um okay cool man i love real estate i love real estate it gets me like so juiced um, right. yeah uh so on your journey were there any books podcasts blogs forums i know back then blogs and forums were like you know the thing but anything getting you motivated and keeping you motivated any any stuff you're learning from yeah, there's two main avenues, um, maybe three. So there was the uh, the main website that I think everyone goes to, uh, Bigger Pockets. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, I found Bigger Pockets in around 2016, and so I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. So I was just you know, downloaded the podcast, soaking up all the content I could. Um, at that point in time, they were in the I don't know 200 ish area for podcasts, and I went back to one. And then listened to everything all the way and caught back up. And then I started buying books, which everyone's probably read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you haven't, you got to read it. Which that's kind of the, um, it uses a, a story to help you think about investing and getting into real estate investing. And then the third one, which was just talking to other people who are real estate investors. So I was going to, I just found out about meetup.com. And so it was found out that oh man there's a lot of other people that created these real estate meetups so i started going to those and connecting with people and then ultimately the experience comes from doing deals Mm -hmm. that's where you really understand and you really get the the actual real estate acumen yeah i want to touch up on that third uh point you mentioned because a lot of people think they can't surround themselves with um real estate people or, or any, right. Any business, if they're not already doing it. Um, and mm-hmm. so if they haven't already started investing, they're like, what are these people going to learn from me? You know? Um, and right. so I think, I think kind of my point would be is you got to throw yourself out there, right? Because you can learn from them and, and there can be stuff that you can provide for them, right? Whether it's other connections, connecting them to, you know, your cousin who works um, with Chicago title company, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, or just, you know, hey, what can I do for you? How can, you know, I help you so that I can learn from you, right? Um, And and I think it's important. A lot of people kind of stray away from that third step because they haven't started yet. Everybody's got something, you know, um, if you you got there's time there's money there's connections like you talked about yeah. there's a deal which is like the easiest yeah. way to get a real estate investor involved is like bring a deal to them I got a nice so, deal with the numbers and then uh, the all exactly. ears perk up like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly a hypothetical no one really wants to spend time on that but a real deal that you could both make money on you'll get a lot of eyes and and ears to help you out yeah very true very true um yeah, no, great, great, great advice. Cool. I want to move on to the Hella Misguided segment where I ask the same question to each entrepreneur that comes up here. And that question is, um, if you were to write a letter to your 18-year-old self, what would a summary of that letter be? And I know this this one has to be deep because you're 42. You've gone through the real estate ups and downs, man. So I want to hear right. something deep right here. 
Let's go. All right. <laughs> you know, what's funny is um, you'd asked me to be on this podcast. And so I was doing research and I uh, watched quite a few of your episodes. So I, I, um, I was listening to your podcast uh, this morning and I heard that question on it. So I've been thinking about it. And <laughs> nice. there's the two things that would be in this letter. Um, and uh, both of them are something that I relatively just learned in the last couple of years in my journey. Okay. The, the first one is nobody fucking cares. Like I used to think like everyone's like worried about, you know, I'm thinking about what they're thinking about me. Mm-hmm. They don't care. It's like when you're at a golf uh, driving range and you hit a bad shot and you think everyone's looking at me, I hit a bad shot. Nobody yeah. cares about your golf swing. Yeah. So it's like, but I, it took me, you know, almost 40 years old to really ingrain that in my mind. Like nobody cares. Yeah. That, I think that's going to all be up to my, you. The title of this episode is nobody fucking cares. Right. That. Exactly. That's right. And then, which then you don't spend time thinking about what other people think about you. Mm-hmm. And then you just focus on what you like and what you're good at. And that's where it takes off. And that's where I think my, my real estate journey went well. I was like, I'm like, man, I really like this real estate. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm just going to go do it, start doing these deals. And then before you know it, everyone's like, well, how did you do it? I'm like, oh, I just put my head down. I liked it. I was doing it. I didn't think about anything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the first one. The other one is like, and I'm really, really into this since 2019. So I was in LA, I went uh, date with, or not date with Destiny, but Unleash the Power Within at Tony Robbins and really have been getting into like mindset and like just positive mindset around the stuff that I do. Okay. Stuff like, uh, like recently, and I've just been testing this out, like I'll uh, be uh, playing outside of, you know, I play sports, so I do hockey and I do soccer. So I was in a, I had a soccer game. I was like telling myself, I'm going to score a goal. And just mentally, everything going to the game, at the game, doing the stretches. The last two weeks, I've scored a goal. I'm like, it's simple things like that. It's all about the mindset. And I really thought that was kind of like, you know, hocus focus, uh, voodoo type stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the more that I'm getting into it, the bigger stuff I do, it's so true. It's like, everyone's like, how did you do these deals? And I'm like, I know that these people want to do deal with me because I'm, I want to buy it. They want to sell it. I can create a deal that works for them. My mindset is saying I'm attracting these buyers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everybody, like I've bought houses off Facebook and off Craigslist. Everybody has the same access. I'm yeah. able to talk to them, get the deal done because I have this positive mindset. It's like I put it out there and it's coming back to me. Yeah. And so that those two things are like, you know, take out all that negative wasted energy about what other, what you, what I used to think other people were thinking of me and then put in their positive mindset. Mm-hmm. And my, my, everything is just taken off for me in the last couple of years. And I'm like, man, if I was 18, knew that same stuff, I mean, I would have been retired long time over like, geez, yeah. who knows, maybe a billionaire by now. Yeah. Now I always say if I knew what I knew now, and I don't even know half the shit, probably, you know, but if I knew what I knew now, I'd be a billionaire. Not millionaire, right. billionaire, just because the work, work ethic alone. Um, and like, I, I just wish like my my for me, when I was 18, man, the only thing that mattered to me ever was basketball. My life right. was basketball. My I had no idea about money. I had nothing. I was getting an Arizona iced tea for 59 cents at the liquor store <laughs> and, and a bag of chips and then would go play eight basketball games like that's it. So um 
if I, yeah, like I said, I just wish there was some stuff I knew, right? I wish right. someone, a mentor would have guided me in the right direction, which is the whole reason I started this podcast. Um, and so, yeah, no, I appreciate you being honest and open about that. So thank you. Um, I want to dive into your, what everyone's talking about, the tiny homes. Uh, so right. can you explain how you got started in that journey? Um, I see you post numbers on Instagram pretty much every day about that. So let's kind of get into some numbers too. Awesome. So the, yeah, I post on, um, I'm trying to get my story out there um, and help other people. You're talking about get you know, TikTok. newbies. Get TikTok. Oh, I need to get in it. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a, one of Sean Pan's buddy that connected us. Uh, got me in uh, looking into TikTok, but I haven't created an account and put any content out there yet. But you got to do it. Um, these tiny homes were totally like a spur of the moment kind of thing. Like I never was like, I'm going to go buy tiny homes. Um, well, that wasn't a thing until like yeah. recently. So you, you exactly. Have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you know, probably like five, 10 years ago, you said tiny home. They're like, oh, you own a mobile home? Mobile home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Tiny home, mobile home, two totally different uh, things. Um, but what ended up happening is like, um, you know, go back to that tidal wave. Like, how do I make money to be able to retire? I had bought the property at my house. Like, I'd brought the, the Yakima property as 11 unit. I started buying properties in the Midwest to increase the cash flow. Um, but I'm always like looking. So instead of watching TV, I'm usually watching YouTube and learning. And sometimes I'll just be watching YouTube and then scrolling through Craigslist. And I'm just seeing what is for sale by owner. And I just so happened, it was Christmas Eve. I remember it. I was sitting there late at night on Christmas Eve looking at Craigslist ad and ended up getting two deals from that one night. Um, one was these tiny homes. And um, in Seattle area. And the other one was a Milwaukee fourplex, both from that same night around midnight on Christmas Eve, uh, what, 20, I think 18 it was. And so I, I was like, I had nothing. I was like, these tiny homes, like, what is it? You know, so then I was looking at it. The person was already doing Airbnbs with it and they had actually built them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I went back to my finance uh, mindset, you know, that I learned at Amazon I was like, well, what makes sense? You know, how much do I put in and how much do I get out of it? Yeah. So then I started like doing some uh, research on it. And then uh, I just literally went to Airbnb and I was like, how do I find if there's tiny homes on Airbnb? <laughs> and there's like, there's this like little filter that gets like a specialty. So I ended up finding these tiny homes. I'm like, wow, these things actually rent for quite a bit. And yeah. then I was looking like, how often do they rent? And I'm like, man, they actually book up quite a bit as well. Yeah. So then I had reached out to some of those Airbnb people to talk to them about, you know, tiny homes and Airbnb. And I went, oh my God, these could kill yeah. in, in Seattle. Cause there's like, generally speaking, there's not that many tiny homes in, in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I was talking to one other guy he was making like five, $6,000 a month per tiny home gross. I'm like, this is a no brainer. Like, if they could make 5,000 a month. So I was like, back to, I was saying I had two thirds of an acre. I was like, I'll just put these on my property. Mm -hmm. I just need to figure out how to do it. And so after running the numbers, what's the top line revenue potential? I just did a swag on the cost to set them up. And then I uh, knew the purchase price of the property. And then I was just calculating what's my cash on cash return going to be. The cash on cash is just saying, how much do I put in for how much do I get out? So if I put a thousand dollars in, 
and I for uh, for initial investment and I get a hundred dollars back at say at the end of the year, that's a 10% cash on cash. And so like as I was doing this, I'm like, this cash on cash return would be so much better than anything else that I got. Let's try it out. And uh, the purchase price was actually fifty thousand dollars per tiny home. So one hundred and fifty thousand dollars total. And I was like, okay, it wasn't like a million dollars. So uh, it wasn't like a too big of a number to where it was going to be too risky for me. It was small enough to where it was bite size, but big enough to where I could put capital to play and make it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do you go about, so you, you, you start, you do all the research, right? Numbers and everything, which you're supposed to, but the logistics of putting a tiny home, right? On a land. How is that? Because, you know, some states might not allow it. Um, California is very strict on stuff like that. So Seattle, how, how do they feel about you just putting a little tiny home on your property? Is that, is that cool? Yeah, that's, that's the issue. I mean, today the, the, you can do it. it, count, it there's it been a law passed where you can actually do it. Um, okay. But before it, before it was such a gray area, it's not a house. And it's not a vehicle uh -huh. because it's actually a house on a trailer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I can move this around. Mm -hmm. And so that was the, you know, in hindsight, I jumped in, I did a cursory check. I just assumed if other people had had it, I could do it. Um, come to find out, not so easy. And so I ended up leaving them there in a mobile home park. I ended up leaving them there and kind of just, you know, getting by and it was making no money at the beginning. Uh -huh. Cause they're and, in a mobile uh, home park. They're in a mobile home park, and I was just trying to learn how to do Airbnb at the same yeah. time. Okay. And get a cleaner to show up. Yep. And uh, at the same time, I was like trying to move them to my property, try to get the cot, like solidify the costing. You know, making a long story short is like huge cost to get them set up. Like. <laughs> um, close to a hundred thousand dollars to put them on my property because. Uh, my property is two thirds of an acre, but it's super long, but narrow. So to snake the water or the sewer, every and electric all the way to the back of the property was going to be massive, like a high, a lot of money. And I'd already put all my money into the, into the, um, yeah. into those tiny homes. And so I was like, I need to figure it out. And so I ended up connecting with the, the Washington tiny homes association president, and then working with him to, then I moved him to another mobile home park and I only had one live because they only had one yeah. spot one open. Space. Yeah. Uh, so here I am just, you know, hemorrhaging cash because only one of them is actually alive. And then then get a second one live at that same place. And then um, uh, the guy ended up buying a property and putting pads and everything on that property. So I've now been able to move all three of them. Actually, last month I moved the third one. Okay. So I bought these in 2019. It took me over two years to move them from the original spot to another mobile home park now to where they're at today. So on paper, everyone's, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I post things showing how much money they make. So I'm at a profit, uh, yeah. uh, my best month ever uh, last month. Yeah. So I was roughly a little over 6,000 gross, 4,000 net ballpark. Mm. And everyone's like, oh my God, it makes so much money. I'm like, what you don't see, it's like the tip of the iceberg. I had lost, I'd been hemorrhaging money, you know, for the first year, year and a half of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at your, your stuff right now um, on Instagram. 
Uh, so I'll just throw out some numbers for the guests, if that's cool. Um, yeah. So you have three tiny homes, as discussed, uh, in, in the month of July. Uh, you've had 21 bookings, occupancy of 88%, revenue 6,833, uh, expenses 2525, and your net payout 4,308. So that is amazing, man. Um, do you have photos of kind of your lot or what what lot are they on now? They're on your friend's lot um, or the mobile home lot? Then I have zero at the mobile home lot. They've all been moved to, um, they're actually at uh, Seattle Tiny Homes is a company that builds tiny homes. And the owner, Todd McKellips, he's got a lot there that I have my tiny home. So I pay him monthly lot rent. And uh, the three year live right now, um, 600 bucks. Okay. Um, per, per tiny home. That's, you know, if you went back, you said 25, 25. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the expenses. The lot rent, the utilities, all that goes into the so cleaning fees. So utilities are, usually are very cheap, it seems. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a tiny home. It's it's not like a, a big house, right? Uh-huh. And a lot of people that are there are there for vacation. Yeah. They're going to the mountains to hike, to ski or whatever, or going to downtown. So they're not consuming a lot of utilities either. Yeah. What's the name of the uh, place you said? Washington Tiny Homes? I can't find it. There's a lot. There's a lot that popped up like oh yeah seattle tiny homes is is his company seattle. he's building me a tiny home right now it's going to be live in september so i'll have four live and the new one should be uh you know i think it's going to even do even better because it's brand new the other ones are three to five years old yeah. and so this one's going to be more uh, it's called breakfast at tiffany my girlfriend's doing all the interior design type stuff on it so it's more female centric. The other three are more farmhouse. Um, one's kind of a Euro cabin uh, look to it. One's like a fisherman's lodge. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I found it. So when you go through him, because I'm super interested. So I, I like mm-hmm. would be super interested in something like this. When you go through him and you buy a tiny home, does he offer his lot to you? When does he run out? Like how does, <laughs> what happens if he doesn't have a lot? to give you where do you park this thing well that's the thing is like if you're if you're going to do if i was starting from scratch today Mm -hmm. like i would have to find a spot to put it so either i got to go find a spot and rent it go buy my own spot that's got hookups or buy land and get it developed for the hookups when i mean hookups i'm talking about water sewer electric that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff yep yep so i wonder like i wonder if it would have been better if you didn't have that long narrow um street that you were talking about where your house is on and it was more of like a normal lot i guess if you could still add those if it wouldn't have been almost 100k you know like maybe like 50 30 or something i don't know but oh man (laughs) right if i had um one of the you know there's lots that if you're in the city, you have um, the front of the house is facing the street, but then in the back, there's usually like an alley or maybe even the other side of the street. So if I would have had something like that, that would have been perfect yeah. where I could tap into something much closer. Uh, uh, but my property is kind of like a, a ski slope. It kind of goes up and then up. Mm. And so like one, it's distance is away, but then it, it's uphill. Yeah. It's a good 75 to 100 feet vertical climb from the main street level got you 
Okay, cool, cool. One more question about tiny homes. Do the uh, do you need like an address on there? Because I know to post on Airbnb, you need an address. So do these have an address and can they just move? Like, do you have to change? Do you have to fill out paperwork to change the street address every time? How does that work? Yeah, so that's the thing is like, oh, I was like, well, I can just move my my Airbnb listing over, but you can't like Airbnb only lets you have the address. Normally, that's not a problem, right? Yeah you're not moving a house, but these are actually on a trailer. I can move them, but we ended up creating brand new Airbnb listings in the new spot. And so we had to restart with all of your reviews. And once we got enough reviews, then it starts helping it um, get more oh, discoverability exactly. within the Airbnb app. But don't, well, okay. Now besides Airbnb, do, when you move it somewhere else, do you have to let Washington state know or something like, the city, like you don't have to let nobody know this thing is just floating like a car almost. It legitimately is a car. It has tabs on it. Uh, oh, really? Because it, it's on a trailer. So you uh, have to have tabs on it, you know, yeah. in order to move it. Oh, so, so you, do you have to pay that car insurance? But do you have to pay what I insurance? Have, I do have insurance on that. I have, um, it's kind of like a specialty Airbnb insurance. And then I have an overlay of uh, umbrella insurance on top of it. Okay. Where do you get umbrella insurance? I've heard of that one time on this podcast. Someone talked about it, but where do you get it from? Uh, it's actually, it's right here. I have an invoice for it. It's uh, <laughs> I got some bills due. So it's right here. <laughs> oh, nice. It's uh, personalumbrella.com. Very catchy. Uh, but I was using um, Progressive. It was no Geico. I was using them before. Okay. There's tons then, of companies that have umbrella policies out there. Can you just uh, give a short definition of umbrella in insurance? Right. So usually when you're investing in real estate, you have property insurance. And so that's if something happens to the property. Now, me personally, and now my I'm getting this set up for my business as well. I'm looking for additional insurance on top of that. So if somebody's walking on the sidewalk and they trip and get hurt and they, you know, come after me then i have this umbrella policy i you know covering me if if there's anything else that was come they're gonna come towards me so i'm just trying to like protect against catastrophic events i've built this up over five years i don't want to lose it on on like one, one trip accident <laughs> and the crazy right. thing is is um it's it's super cheap too it's from what i've heard it's not as expensive right I'm probably not cheap but it's it's not as expensive correct well, I can tell you right here. It is like uh, I do uh, two million dollars is four hundred eighty-eight bucks. Four hundred eighty-eight bucks per year. For all of them, though. No, that's just the umbrella policy. So for the actual tiny homes insurance, that's actually super expensive. Anything that you Airbnb, uh -huh. there there's only a select few companies that do Airbnb insurance, and so that one I'm probably paying this is a swag i'm going off memory it's probably close to 2000 for all three so seven eight hundred per tiny home where do you get somewhere like, in there where you have to have specific airbnb insurance for tiny homes where do you even find it i wouldn't trust to type yeah, there, to google <laughs> but there's only like three or four companies that do it um i can't tell so i got all the bills are just <laughs> came in i can't tell if this is it but it, maybe it's american modern but there's the main one that you had heard which i was using before was lloyd's of london lloyd's of okay. london has a airbnb insurance um but 
you know, previously when I had an Airbnb, I was with, I can't remember who it was. It was like State Farm or something like that. And I was like, hey, just just letting you know that I've got this Airbnb and I want to make sure it's covered. And then they sent me a note back, just letting you know that we're canceling your insurance. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So all overnight, I was like, I got to find somebody that's going to give me this insurance. And so I ended up going with that Lloyd's of London uh, short term. But that one was like uh, for the three tiny homes and my primary residence, it was like five thousand a year. And so then I ended up switching away from the Lloyd's of London one to, I think it's this American modern, which is much, much cheaper. That's good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm, I'm looking that up. American modern. Uh, cool. But the key here is like, you've, the, you've got to um, get in the game and then as right. things come up, you've got to course correct. So like yeah. the tiny homes, I'm like, I'm moving them to different places. And then I, I have high insurance and I got to find another insurance carrier. Then I need to find a cheaper one. Yeah. So like, it looks like I have my act together, but it's from me fumbling through all this stuff yeah. in the background mm-hmm. to get to the Instagram post that shows I made 6,800 and net of it was like 43 or whatever. It that's looks amazing. like I'm like an expert, yeah. but that's just a series of errors that I've made and small bets and risks that I've took to get to this point. And you have to go through those, like, you know, you have to walk through that. You can't just hear it from Justin and say, okay, now I can, you know, avoid this. Like, yeah, you can take steps, right? Like you may be able to, okay, now I'm going to go with American modern insurance, right? But now maybe to me that that 2000 is too, too expensive. Maybe I want something that's a thousand or, or maybe they send me a letter saying, Hey, you got denied. Now I got to go look somewhere else. Right. So, um, you have to walk through it yourself. Um, and that, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, I, man, I love tiny homes now. Um, I, I definitely want to want to get into that and do more research. Uh, so real estate, are you invested in anything else besides real estate? What about the stock market? Uh, because I work at Amazon, I, I get restricted stock units. I only own one stock. It's Amazon. Outside of that, I don't own any any um, in the market. Do you get a huge um, discount on their stock? No. Oh, damn. It's man. part of my uh, compensation. So yeah, every know. year you get you get stock today that is what's called a restricted stock unit that will vest. I you get the actual ownership of it two years from now. So there's, there's always, uh, you know, a, a more carrots out there, meaning more stocks in front of you to continue to work. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 That makes sense. So um, outside of that, the only other thing is gold and silver. So I have a little bit of gold, I think nine ounces of gold and somewhere like 3000 ounces of silver or something like that. Nice, nice, nice. Um, okay, cool. So let's see, let's see. We're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I want to ask a few questions on how you feel about partnerships. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, I don't have enough money to start just by myself, or it's a lot of work, or I just, you know, I need help. Can someone hold my hand through the process? How do you feel about um, people who work with partnerships? Because I ask these people, I ask this question sometimes to people who have, who only do partnerships, right? Or, or Mm -hmm. who don't ever do partnerships and i love to hear you know both sides so i'm uh i've i've been in three camps first camp is no second camp is yes and then third camp is 
it depends. So I'm in the third camp right now. It, it depends. So when I started my journey, I was like, it's so much easier to go fast on your own. You know, what's that saying? If you go uh, on your own, you go fast. But if you go with other people, uh, you, go I, I forget the, you go further, go so further. I, I love yeah. It. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so then I was like, hey, why don't, you know, instead of me buying all the bunch of these small deals, if I have some partners, I can do some bigger deals. So I ended up doing four partnerships um, in about a 12 to 18 month span. And then I was like, oh, this is a lot of work. Um, I'm obviously well vested in, in real estate, but they're not. So like getting it all set up and like tra- you know, educating and the accounts and the accounting and the taxes and I'm like, oh, this is a lot of work. And so I'm now back into, I'll do it if it makes sense. And what I'm doing now is actually instead of uh, equity partners, I'm doing debt partners. So I just bought a deal in July and back in another in Yakima, a six unit property. And I'm borrowing money from a a guy paying him 1.10% to borrow short-term money to help me acquire it. And uh, so that's a debt partnership. I'm more, I'll do that all day long. It's like private money. It's exactly, it's a personal loan. So um, that's backed up by the assets. So they have a, a lien against the property so that they're covered. How do you uh, run that lien? Do you, do you do you do that through the real estate agent, where that you put them on the on the title, or how do you put the lien on the property? So for people who don't yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't know either until May June. So like, uh, what I do? This is a deal that I got for the Craigslist, and so That's as great. I'm talking to the seller, I was able to negotiate seller financing, um, and then I I know how to do the deal. I know it makes sense financially, and then I'm like. Now I just need to go about getting it set up. So then I was like, oh, well, we'll just go to a title company and they'll do it. So I sent it to the title company. I was like, here's what we agreed upon. Set this up. And they're like, well, you need, uh, what do they call it? A note and a deed of trust, I believe it was. And I'm like, "Uh, what's a note and what's a deed of trust? And so then I'm like Googling it and I found out what it is. So I just hand wrote this uh, note, which is just like agreement to pay between me and, and the lender. And then the deed of trust, I just Googled it. There's a state form, filled it out, got it notarized, had the had the, the lender fill it out. We sent those documents to the title company and they, they uh, recorded it. Nice. And then once they record it, that means he has the lien and he's transferred the, uh, the, uh, God damn it. I'm his the name. Fun. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, it's cool. It's cool because I like, as a realtor, you know, I see like, you know, I hear about all this stuff, you know, the title companies, the deed of trust. And then as a notary, I actually see it happening. I have to go notarize the document. So it's like super cool. And I'm right. like, like today I did three, three deeds. I did three deeds. I had four jobs. I'm looking at my calendar. I have four jobs. And I did three deeds and it was like two quick claim deeds, which is the easiest thing. Um, it's just, it's more for like family, family members or friends. Say if you buy, for those who don't know, if you buy like a property uh, with a partner, the easiest deed where you can like give that partner equity is a quick claim deed. Those, those usually um, are the smoothest and, and yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's cool to see both sides, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. Well, um, man, I appreciate you coming up here. Um, we're going to end up wrapping up, 
we are about 10 minutes over. So um, the way I like to wrap up the episode, I know you know um, because you listen, but it's with a segment called Guided Conclusions where I ask you a question. It could be funny, serious. Um, I can make you cry. I'm just saying. But uh, <laughs> today's question is funny. Would you rather for the rest of your life have no AC or never use deodorant? No AC or never use deodorant. I would probably go with no AC because I pretty much that's how I've been living my entire life. Um, the deodorant, uh, you know, for that, that's not necessary for me, but for others around me. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, man, Stockton, I'm trying to think of like you living in Stockton with no AC. It's so humid out there, especially now with weather. Obviously, climate change is way worse than it was in 2001, but it's hot. That was the that was the only time I actually had air conditioning. Uh, I mean, I, I bought like a portable one this last summer, uh, but yeah, we yeah. only turn it on for like the three days it's hot in the Seattle. Yeah. But in in um, yeah, I used to get well over a hundred over in uh, Mountain House all the time. Yeah. So you yeah. got it. Yeah, over there you had to have the AC. Yeah, in Stockton. Stockton's humid. You got cockroaches. Stockton has the cockroaches come out because of the humid. Um, but yeah, okay, cool, cool. That's cool. Um, I know you're. I know you're looking. Uh, probably, obviously, into investing. I I work with Fly Home, so we are actually out of Seattle. Um, if you've mm. heard of us, the brokerage, I'm sure you'll probably see uh like billboards and stuff now. But um, right. And and a couple of cool things with us is we offer the all cash stuff. So that would be cool to look into for you, you know. Um, but it it's they haven't really opened like a segment to investors like they haven't really dug into investors i've actually had investors up come up here and use them but i feel like fly homes is more for like the first time home buyers and stuff like that but they are definitely you know broadening their section and and kind of getting to everyone and it's so cool to see them grow but yeah nice yeah, yeah I've, I've i've heard of them but i haven't uh researched enough to 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 use their uh, services yet though yeah. Yeah. There's, there's three, three main programs that a lot of people come to us for is the all cash. We buy the house all cash. You do a short-term loan with us and then boom, transfer it over. Another one is the trade up program. Um, if you have a house and you're looking to move into the next one, you can do all that before you sell that um, current house that you're living into. Um, and then the mm -hmm. other one is a guaranteed sale. So if your house doesn't sell within 90 days, boom, we buy it from you. So a lot of people. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming up here, Justin. I know you, you got to get home and do some stuff or you are home, but um, so uh, go ahead and drop your um, social media and where can people reach you? Yeah. Predominantly I'm on JC Canberra on Instagram and then uh, on Facebook, it's just Justin Canberra. Nice. Nice. Well, do you have any last words to say for the audience? Uh, I go back to the, you know, what that letter to myself, no one cares, like, and then just focus on yourself and your mindset, get into the game and then positive things are going to happen to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. And I'm auto correct. No one fucking cares. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Girl, I think I love you, but I'm just too scared to say it. Girl, I think I love you, but I just can't face the repercussions. I just want someone to vibe with, 
Don't worry when I'm not responding I don't know why, I don't know why Let's take our time But for now, it's goodbye I don't know why, I don't know why Now I'm stressing cause I text you You open it up and don't reply I double text you, still nothing Girl, are you alive? I hit you up late night Asking if you're down to ride You pop molly but no birth control You hold yourself together But manage to explode How do I control These feelings Don't want them to get old So the consequences I deal with Girl I think I love you But I'm just too scared to say it Girl I think I love you But I just can't face the repercussions I just want someone to vibe with Don't worry when I'm not responding I don't know why, I don't know why Let's take our time But for now, it's goodbye Whatever, whatever Everybody wants to play the victim The more sympathy, the better Wear our problems on our sleeve like a badge I hope you like me better now That I'm sad can you feel it? Can you feel the way? Can you feel it? Do you feel my pain? Will it last forever or will it go away? I look to you for help, girl, don't look so afraid. Girl, I think I love you. But I'm just too scared to say it. Girl, I think I love you. But I just can't face the repercussions. I just want someone to vibe with Don't worry when I'm not responding I don't know why, I don't know why Let's take our time But for now, it's goodbye What do I do, what do I do? Oh, I think I love you, I hope you love me too What did you do, what did you do? I think I lost my way and can't find it without you I just want someone to vibe with Who can I touch on when I'm drinking? Let's skip the awkward silence Girl, you know I'm about it Up all night like we ain't got no obligations Girl, I think I love you But I'm just too scared to say it Girl, I think I love you But I just can't face the repercussions